Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name's Caleb, and could the suicide attempts please be postponed until the next episode? My name's Stephanie, and my plastic surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly in my nose. Well, there goes your social life. My name's Justin, and I can't find my cranberry (laughs) CD. I gotta go to the quad before anyone snags it. (laughs) (laughs) The second part of that was much more on-brand for Justin than the first part, but but still, thank you for participating. (laughs) uh, My quote required a a call and response. (laughs) That was most of the quotes from Clueless. I had to scroll down a long ways for one that didn't involve someone else responding. Yeah, I mean, I guess that speaks well of the call and response nature of the dialogue, but... (laughs) <laughs> did, you, did you see what I did there? I changed period to episode. Whoa. 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 I, d- I didn't actually. Well, yeah, I know. I can listen to that. Evidenced by the fact that you were so quick to introduce yours. <laughs> oh, just... I was quick to introduce mine because the faster it moves, the funnier it is. Is that Come true, on, Justin? Caleb. In this sense, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that... Uh, I think... A, a, a steady, a, a quick pace is the essence of comedy, which is why I, so, I hate so much comedy that occurs nowadays, because a lot of it is just, just awkward pauses. sitting and waiting while something awkward and cringy happens? Yes. <laughs> mm. um, there, every couple episodes, Shit's Creek really likes to put me through it. Um, <laughs> yeah, me and Caleb like to bitch about how much we don't like cringe comedy, and yet we've been sitting and watching Shit's Creek for several days now. <laughs> Let I'm mostly enjoying much. it. You gotta, you gotta learn to find uh, humor in those pregnant pauses. <laughs> it's, it's literally any scene with Johnny. I, oh god, okay. Don't Which you dare besmirch the name he's... of Eugene Levy. <laughs> no, no, it's... no. It has nothing to do with him. It's how other people are around him. Yeah, it's well, it's all of his. It's a, oh god. Well, it's funny because he's one of the most normal characters in the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's why it gets so awkward with him. He's too normy. Yeah. So normcore. <laughs> so yes this Anyways. week we are not talking about Shit's creek well yeah. we did but that's not the point we're not yeah that's uh, not pairing. we're discussing clueless and the source material it is loosely based upon <laughs> emma but the 2020 version of emma because stephanie has seen the 1996 version of emma too many times yes i had to difference. change it up you can tell the difference because well, this movie has a period in the title. Yeah, it's Emma. Period. It's Wait, a statement. is it actually? Yes, yeah. it is. Wow, you almost could say it's a period piece. <laughs> hey! Um, I I love a, a title with some punctuation. Now, usually it usually it's an exclamation point. Like but, Moulin Rouge. Yes. I'm a fan of Doctor Strangelove with its rare use of the colon in a title. Oh. It's- Actually, that's uh, not true. Mission Impossible kind of has the... Has the colon. But the, it is kind of rare. Yeah. Yeah. Question marks are fairly rare. 
periods are extremely rare, so that's interesting. Yeah, they're very confident. That I know. That, huh. I kind of like that. I like that. Let us know your favorite uh, punctuation in a movie title, audience. <laughs> I think mine that's is not- Airplane! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can anyone think of one with a question point. mark? Dude, where's my Clue car? Clue should have one, but yeah. I don't think it does. Yeah, dude, where's my car? There you go. Um, now, normally we go chronologically and in, order in release date. order. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're not going to do that this week for the since, you know, one is based on the other. We figured yeah. we'd discuss Emma first. Yes, and then do Clueless. Um, now, the the version of Emma that we were talking about with Gwyneth Paltrow actually did come out a lot closer. It came out to a year Clueless. after Clueless. Yeah. Um, whereas the... Well, okay. When I say the version of Emma, I mean, the story is very much the same in both of them. I can only think of a couple of rather minor changes. Yeah, some scenes are longer, some scenes are shorter. Yeah. Um, the cast is different. The The style is very different. Absolutely. Um, this one is much quirkier. Yeah. Much more Wes Anderson-y. It is very Wes Anderson-y in a, in a manner of speaking. This one feels much more stylistic, whereas, I don't know... The, the older version of Emma felt almost more like like one of those TV movies. It, I was about to say the older <laughs> the one with Gwyneth Paltrow felt like a very very high budget right, high right. hallmark a, movie. Right, not a low quality TV movie at all. But it I, it didn't feel quite as stylized, I guess, as this one. Yeah, I feel like period pieces have come a long way since the mid nineties. <laughs> yes, they used to all look like TV shows. I was uh, yes. I was gonna say the quirkiness of this uh, and the way the film is made is uh, is largely largely why I enjoyed it. Um, fine movie because the story's really boring. Not my thing. Yeah, yeah, we'll get I, into no, that <laughs> as as we were watching the movie as it kept going on and on. It's over two hours long. I just kept it's thinking yeah. I made Justin watch this, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the first time hey, I felt bad about that. he made us watch Army of Darkness. So. Hey, I whoa. enjoyed Army of Darkness. <laughs> uh, I, uh... I got what one could get from Army of Darkness. <laughs> you got what you could get from Army yes, of Darkness. Okay. I got what I, one uh... who's not super into that type of movie could get. <laughs> I sent uh, you guys that message, and I, and I think it sums up my uh, my opinion of this movie very well. The bunch of rich British people standing around begging each other's pardon for two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just all of Jane Austen. Uh, it's I beg your pardon with various levels of intensity. Um, <laughs> and delivery. It, this movie it is so easy to lose track of who people are. Yes. And there's so many names. Who's a Weston? Who's... Wesley, Eston, I don't. There's so many. I love that you guys are just experiencing all of Jane Austen right now. <laughs> like that's just that's how it all is. Okay, so we might as well. Um, yeah, Stephanie, would you care to care to take us away? Summarize. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so um, yeah, Emma, believe it came out last year, 2020. Um, so yes, it is an adaptation of the the novel, also titled Emma. Uh, by Jane Austen, um, I uh, I am not the biggest Austen aficionado. Some people are super into that stuff, um, but but I I enjoy it. Um, I I love I love a period piece as we were talking about. Like just just I love the costumes. I love like the weird things that the characters care about. That like we look at it and we're like, 
why does this matter? <laughs> Rich people like, problems. Exactly. Oh, it's it's extremely that, but it's very self-aware about that and never pretends that it isn't, which is something that I enjoy about it in that like um in all the works of Jane Austen, there is kind of a balance between genuine empathy for the characters and making them like people that you care about, but also kind of, <laughs> isn't it a little ridiculous that these people are like this, which, which is a nice balance. Um, like kind of like very different type of stories, but, uh, kind of like Charles Dickens, like kind of treads a nice line in that similar time period between like, uh, uh, genuine feeling and like sincerity and also, a, a healthy dose of satire, um, which is why I also love Charles Dickens. Um, but uh, yes, <laughs> of course, Pride and Prejudice is the most uh, famous of Austen's work. And uh, I sincerely hope we can talk about the 2005 Pride and Prejudice film at some point. Because I like that one. That one is great. See, Pride and Prejudice, though, I think is just a more interesting story. Yeah, I feel I would feel less bad about making Justin watch that one. <laughs> Have you seen that one, Justin? I have not. <laughs> it's quite good. Oh, yeah, it, it's it's good. It, I don't know. It's a more dramatic story, I think, in some ways. And you um, care more about the characters. Like, yeah. When we were watching the 1996 version of Emma, and this one to a lesser extent, I guess, I just don't care about her. Like, she is <laughs> such an unsympathetic character for most of the story. Yeah. Like, most of the story, she's a spoiled, uh, spoiled rich girl <laughs> who has nothing better to do than to play dollies with real people. Um, See, but I would argue that's lives. kind of what one of the most interesting things about it is the fact that the lead character is extremely flawed and kind of like, while you might relate to her in some ways, you're kind of like, ugh, uh, this is, I don't know about this. Like, and... She, you know, she learns the error of her ways over the course of the story. Um, and I like that because I like that, for one thing, she's a very active protagonist, which can be rare for a heroine in a period piece. Now, she's active in ways that a lot of times she probably shouldn't be. But in some ways, that actually makes it more fun because well, it's like, uh, what, uh, Justin? Isn't that the whole point of, of the story is, oh my, she is so misbehaved. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because the things, the misbehavior that she engages in is of the sort that is extremely non-scandalous in that type of society. Um, so it's interesting because you can tell that she's doing stuff that she shouldn't be and that she's like behaving selfishly. And yet it's all within the, the constraints of, of, I don't know, Regency propriety. Uh, right. And, well, and the only person who calls her out for it is Mr. Knightley. Right. Like, even her friend, whose life she affects, doesn't really call her out for it until the very, very end of the story. Yeah. Mr. Knightley is, I guess, aptly the only person who sees her for who she is from the very beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. For better or worse. Yes. And that's kind of like the... What's his first name? I don't know. Oh my god! I don't I was, know. I was, I was like, just—I genuinely don't. I was know. just about to say I don't want to actually spend the rest of this per, like first part of the podcast no, the whole... calling people Mister Knightley and me. me. No, the Thanks, whole George. story just calls him Knightley. George, thank George, you. George, sure. I'm go yeah. I'm go from this point forward, he shall be known as George. No, <laughs> I'm not calling him George. You know why? Because the whole movie calls him Knightley, and the whole book too. I'm sure, if I had read it. 
I feel silly. <laughs> Mr. Knightley and Mr. Weston and Mrs. Smith. And exactly. Everyone Ms. knows their last names. Like, even Emma is frequently called Miss Woodhouse. Woodhouse, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, for, for me, um, but, like, I can definitely tell there is a there is a thick layer of uh, satire of the of the class in this uh, that the characters in this film is um but i need my satire to be a little more biting and don't get me wrong i'm sure when the novel was written this was like some hot shit uh, but oh yeah right now oh, it's yeah. just it's kind of falling flat for me and the the um emotional stakes never quite got like intense or captivating enough for this movie to really like hold my attention yeah. for very long <laughs> See, that's why I, that's why the two movies that we're discussing this week, I'm not like the biggest fan of either of them because I can only ever care so much. Yeah, the emotional stakes for either of them are never get that intense. Right. Um, and I don't know if we've explicitly said it so far, but what Emma does is she tries to play matchmaker and hook people up and get people married. I don't know if we explicitly put that in words. Right. Um, so there, there you go. Yes, she she is, uh, kind of becomes more and more manipulative, like <laughs> trying to like make stuff go her way, and and essentially doesn't see people as like, people. <laughs> you know, they're right, their own people who should be allowed to make their own they're choices. Her playthings. Right, and it's interesting too because you also see kind of over the course of the story, she goes from not really caring about, um. I don't know, not really caring about marriage or whatever herself to kind of over the course of the story, beginning to care about it and beginning to actually develop feelings, um, which which is good to see because <laughs> she actually like becomes a person. Right. Um, what's the what's the line from the I'm, I'm, I would like to read the line from. Oh, what is I believe it's the opening lines in the book, but it's from the beginning of the um the movie also. Mm-hmm. Emma Woodhouse, handsome, clever, and rich, with a comfortable home and happy disposition, seemed to unite some of the best blessings of existence and had lived nearly 21 years in the world with very little to distress or vex her. Yeah, exactly. She's got everything she wants, so <laughs> it's born from a good nature. Like, she wants other people to be happy, too, but she doesn't really respect people. <laughs> so so it's very much like rich girl syndrome, which you kind of see also in Clueless. Like, it's very much like, while, while both of them are fundamentally kind people, they, they are <laughs> way too privileged. They're and- also very, very different I would like to discuss when we... Hmm. I, I have actually a fair few thoughts when we get to the comparison point. Um, <laughs> the, the deep, deep dive that is close. But... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, no, I, Emma, I, I, I feel you. Yeah, Emma yeah. specifically... Um, what? She has a friend who is of unknown birth. This poor girl. They're basically no one, calling her a bastard the whole time. Yes. Like in so many ways. No words. one knows who her parents are. And Emma is trying to set her up and she's in love with this poor farm boy. It's so it's so frustrating because and it's Emma's like, like no 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 you can't marry him yeah he's a farm boy right right and it's like bitch she she's nobody you don't know who she is um. right and that's much is made of that because God like all the stuff about oh you have to ma- try to marry above your station or but that not kind too of far because otherwise you're far. reaching yeah yeah you know, like, um, it's, it's so, so she tries to set her friend up with various men. None of which work out. Um, I don't know. She she tries to set people up. It doesn't work. Uh, 
she is annoyed by people and annoying to other people. And it's a lot of, oh, there's balls and there's <laughs> this lady who lives down the street I've known my whole life who's very annoying, who never shuts up about her cousin. And, oh, look, the cousin's here to visit. She actually exists. And I'm like, fascinating. <laughs> simply fascinating. Uh, yes, it's ex. <laughs> It's extremely low it's... stakes, which if you can if you can accept that premise, which can be difficult to accept. It is very droll. It can be kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but a lot of Jane Austen is like that, um, you know, for better or worse. And then there's Mr. Knightley is like an old friend of the family. Their relationship exactly is unclear. He's clearly been around a long time and is like friends with her father, almost like a son to him, but has his own estate across the village. And yeah, we don't really know much about his family. I guess they're not I, still with I us. Don't, or something. I, I, Emma makes a lot. says a line at one point, something about uh, we are not so much brother, <laughs> brother and sister and as to make it improper. Right. When they yeah. dance um, together. And I was like, oh, woof. We're just yeah. putting it out. That's there. all we're getting. That's the only line we're getting in relation in regards yeah. to the, what the relationship is. Uh, mm-hmm. These two movies uh, really did jumpstart the whole uh, step sibling fetish. Don't on don't. Justin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait for it. We're gonna wait for. We're gonna wait for Clueless. Yeah, we'll talk about to that. Get when we get into to that. So I will say about, you know, since it's Romance Month and we're talking about the romance, I will first off the gate. Uh, first out the gate, whatever. I will say that I don't much care for the romance in either of these movies, <laughs> uh, more so than in any of the other ones. I now okay. Let me even as I'm saying that. Let me say about Emma that I like this version of the romance better than I like it in the older version of Emma and better than I like it in Clueless. Um, I, I think that I'm, I'm, I've only seen it once, so I'm kind of struggling to put my finger on why, but I didn't find this version of uh, Knightley quite as condescending as the one in the older version, and they felt I don't know. They felt more equal, I guess. Um, and I don't know. He just didn't come off as quite as much of a... Pr- quite as dickish? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I recognize that my problem with it is kind of just inherent to the relationship because, like, the whole their whole relationship is him, like, telling her why she's an asshole. Like, <laughs> that's like... We, we all need that person in our <laughs> no, life. No, we definitely do. Like, don't get me wrong. But I don't want to see that in a romantic movie. Like, I... Or... <laughs> I would like to see more than that. Like, trust me, I definitely like it when, you know, rom- uh, ro- uh, romantic interests point out each other's flaws. I think that can be very good and very interesting. However, it's like most of their relationship is <laughs> just him being You're like right. throwing this, shade at her. This is very much um, snotty rich girl uh, finds man to put her in her place. Well, <laughs> I. <laughs> I mean, in so many words, like, and the thing about it is, as I've said before, the way the movie presents it, like, he's obviously not wrong. Like, I'm not saying that he's wrong to tell her those things. He's right, because she is being snotty and selfish. But that's not, (laughs) that's not romantic to me. (laughs) So I'm just like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, that's the thing that could happen. Yup. So while this one might be kind of relatable... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not necessarily enjoyable, but I, I will say for the new Emma, like I said before, I, I do think that they did a better job of making them seem a little 
I don't know, like a little more like they had an established relationship and were fond of each other, but that things had just gotten kind of tense, you know? Um, and I think in the older Emma, which I keep talking about, even though probably neither of you guys have seen it. <laughs> I have. I watched it with you. I mean the whole, oh, that's right. You have, obviously I'm, I'm an idiot. Um, of course the whole point of this podcast is comparing movies. So I might as well mention it. Like in that one, while it's not that I think the guy who plays Knightley does a bad job. It's just that he comes off like such a condescending dude to me. Like, <laughs> I feel like I can't remember Knightley specifically, but I feel like I got a better understanding of all of the relationships in that one than I did from this movie. Interesting. Like with Harriet or with Mrs. Bates, the quote unquote annoying lady who is very well-meaning and very nice. Um, I just, mm. I feel like I... I understood the social dynamics of the relationships and everyone's personalities better. Hmm. I'm not sure what it was about this one that just didn't quite convey that as well. I'll have to think about that one a little bit more. I'm trying to like recall some of it. I do think this one was a lot more heavily edited and stylized, which might have mm. contributed to that. See, that was actually one of the factors of this one that I liked more because it made it more interesting to me. But mm, I guess I, I could see that. how that could obscure some of the... Uh, yeah. Of It could make things a little less clear. Yeah, no, perhaps. I agree. The visuals are very nice. I love the color palette. I love oh, the, so the, the, the framing. Yes. It's just the old one, I feel like I understood who everyone was more. Like, I, I grasped it. I, I really got it. Like, with, um, what's his name? Mr. Churchill? Yeah. Who, like, Emma, McGregor. Emma is eager to meet he's him. very charming. The first half of the movie while he's, everyone only talks about him and he's, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, and when he finally shows up in this one, I'm like, huh? Who? What? And then every time he's around, I'm like, what? But in the original <laughs> one, I got a much firmer grasp of like okay there's this guy yes. emma wants to meet this guy emma is into this guy this movie was very unclear uh, not forthcoming with just how into mr churchill she is until she realizes that like she he's gross and she, also she can't have him yeah i feel like the I, other I, one I like they had mean. much more of a relationship they were actually kind of buddy buddy like yeah like Cher and um christian are yes. um so that relationship dynamic made more sense to me. I don't know. I just mm. feel like something about the relationships and defining who people are in this one just wasn't as clear. Right. This is all unfair in a, in a conversation with Justin, of course, because Justin <laughs> has not seen it. <laughs> I'm one just happy twine. to be a part oh, of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, guys. Um, yeah, so I think both of them have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, yeah, I do think uh, this one where it really excelled was like the editing and like the visuals um, I thought were very nice. Um, like, did I completely understand all of the choices? No, but it definitely created a good aesthetic. <laughs> yes. Um, um. I like, Kayla mentioned earlier that it feels very uh, uh, Wes Anderson-y at times. And, and I agree, the heavy use of uh, pastel colors and uh, so much symmetry. Um, yes. I do like that uh, uh, Autumn DeWilde played with a little bit of asymmetry, where things are like so close to being even, but are intentionally a little uh, askew. Mm -hmm. um, I liked that mm -hmm. choice yeah. a lot. Uh, some very strong like to pay more attention uh, directorial choices, and I believe this is her directorial debut. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Also, uh, a, uh... I wish my name was Autumn DeWild. That would be cool <laughs> as hell. I would sound like a Jane Austen heroine with that. Um, she <laughs> apparently it? did uh, CD covers before this, and I'm talking about, like, uh, oh. Elliot Smith, She and Him, The Wrecking Tours, The White Stripes, Fiona Apple, Beck, like, Death Cab for Cutie, a lot yeah. of really cool shit, so... Uh, so I she must have, have had a, a heavy career. hand in the aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that. And I mean, honestly, with uh, with any period piece, but especially like with a, a a Jane Austen kind of whatever you want to call it, comedy of manners, you definitely need a strong aesthetic for that. Absolutely. Because to create that kind of world, and like I said, this is one of the ways that I think this one is stronger than the one from the 90s, is that you really need to kind of convey that aesthetic with your visuals. So the symmetry, like the the poppy colors, the like, um, I don't know, that sense of like order and controlled chaos needs to really be present because it conveys kind of the tone of that kind of weird little micro universe. Um, so I, I definitely think that part was really strong and, um, I don't know. I think that the way switching gears a little bit, the way Anya Taylor-Joy played it versus the way Gwyneth Paltrow played it was interesting because I feel like, um, they played the character in very different ways. Can't really tell whose I liked better. Like Gwyneth Paltrow's one like seemed like friendlier but, like, more insincere, kind of, whereas, like, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's, like, she always has that kind of naturally severe demeanor, Mm -hmm. um, but you could see her maybe more as, like, more conniving (laughs) with, like, a, a warm exterior that only occasionally comes out, or warm interior, I should say. Yeah, I definitely see that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's was definitely much more comes across as like actually trying to play the part you know by play the part I mean like Emma is trying to like play the part of the proper rich girl like actually fitting in and having all the mannerisms whereas Mm -hmm. Anya Taylor-Joy's Emma is much more um it has to do with her demeanor and her face and her voice has just a lot of things she says just all comes off as slightly less sincere. Right. And you can tell she's kind of bored with the people around her a lot of the time and which I guess would inform why she is doing all this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really weird. I don't know. Seeing Anya Taylor-Joy Anya has Taylor a real Joy. presence. It's really weird seeing her be happy and something. <laughs> so you start her being yes, like grim. No, <laughs> you're right. When you think about most of the roles she's had, it, they're, they're very, um, serious or or severe roles, which is which makes sense. I mean, that's kind of her her presence. Like, uh, it's I would like to see her in kind of a a happy peppy role. That would be very fascinating because <laughs> she's not usually like that. I've only seen her in this in Queen's Gambit. <laughs> Anya Taylor Joyce was the star of fifty percent of the media that I saw that was released in twenty twenty. Because you watched four pieces. Of I watched three that movies and a miniseries released in 2020. <laughs> I hate that I haven't watched it yet, but I hate that uh, she was squandered in New Mutants because she is perfect casting for Ileana Rasputin. But apparently, that she was in trash. New Mutants. Yeah, New Mutants came out. Yeah, <laughs> I have not seen terrible. that. <laughs> Woof. Uh, no wonder Disney tried to bury it. You should never waste your Anya Taylor-Joy. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> oh, but Anya Taylor-Joy is magic? Be awesome. 
I wonder how her Russian accent is. <laughs> they probably didn't even do it. She has a very Russian energy, though. So. <laughs> she's, she's Eastern European. Yeah, yeah. She's like kind of odd-looking, severe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I get. I get it. I. I, I we're, ve- we're veering into a yeah. <laughs> territory. We should. <laughs> okay. Well. Pull up, so pull do up. we have anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely your no- your nose diving. No, <laughs> shut up. I'm talking about um, my girl. We- should should we? You do we were have saying, any, do we have any... any more thoughts about about? I almost said clueless about Emma, about uh, the clueless Emma. So, so I I feel like I feel like I've sounded harsher on this movie than I feel. I kind of just feel uh, eh on the movie. I don't I don't dislike it uh, at all. Um, I will say, as much as I was disengaged, there were some scenes that uh, sucked me in, like that scene where she delivers that sick burn to Mrs. Bates, <laughs> At the which is like the worst, <laughs> it's like the least offensive thing you could say. It's just kind of like playfully giving someone shit, but like back then that was right. like, oh, she said what? For these people. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that, like that gif of the guys being like, whoa, the one guy like, ah! <laughs> You killed her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's what that's what's kind of fun about th- this type of movie is that the smallest things are so inflated because of this weird insular little society that doesn't have any real stakes. Like, so the smallest little offenses and smallest little gestures suddenly convey like, I know, like the, the scene at the ball where, yeah. where what's his name? Is this Mr. Weston? Which one? Uh, Patrick, uh, Rupert Graves. Who? Lestrade. Oh. Oh. What? What's, What's his character's name? Wasn't it Weston? I think it's Weston, Weston? yes. I, Mr. Yeah, Weston, they're know. at the ball. <laughs> they're at the ball. And Mr. Weston's like, look, Emma, I know what's his name asked you to do the first, to be the, your his your dance his, his dance for the first two dances. But this is a ball in Miss What's-Her-Name's honor. Yeah, the, but the bride. she is so, but she cannot or something she can't dance right now or something yeah. or i'm going to ask her to dance because which is okay because i planned the ball right, exactly. so it's okay for me to ask her so i hope you're okay going second yeah okay and I, we're just like what all the, these ridiculous the little machinations i know and that's but that's what's kind of fun about it because it's like that's so foreign to what we have now and yet you can kind of relate to being in that situation where like there's all these ridiculous little social cues that you have to be mindful of or maybe that's just me, huh? Uh, but <laughs> it feels like a relatable experience. Um, I don't know. And it also makes me wish that we still had balls today. <laughs> Some of us do. Stephanie, we still I, have balls. Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I am always really jealous whenever I see, like, I don't know, just like a big dinner with everyone sitting at the same table and exchanging tense conversation. Or, like, a and ball. not having the fear of catching a life threatening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a um, life threatening virus. Yeah. I know. I know. Or, or just a ball where, where we are dancing politely and. Now, do I like to dance in a sexy way? Yes, but also I would like to but dance. But also, we can compromise. In a nice, uh, polite way. I, that should be the new. That should be the new norm. Is like everyone gets together and there's like a nice fancy ball, and then there's the fucking after party. 
Oh, that so, just sounds like the 1920s. Oh, I was going to say Eyes Wide Shut. It's the, <laughs> no, that, oh, that got to business pretty quick. Whole different. Whole I wouldn't know. Or well, at least it had by the time Tom Cruise arrived. <laughs> what, Justin? Uh, I just said that Sorry, I was totally talking over you. Uh, I, do have, yeah, yeah. I do have one I mean, I'm also note. down for an Eyes Wide Shut party. Oh. Yeah. Um, do you have one more note? <laughs> and it's, it's going to sound like an insult to the cast, and it's not. I mean this in the best Uh-oh. way. A lot of the cast, especially a lot of the secondary characters, are going at these roles with all of the intensity of a, a high school drama department who is, like, really excited about their show. Uh, specifically, <laughs> there's one actress, uh, I believe she plays Miss Elton. There's a scene, they're, like, having tea in one of the halls of wherever they live, and she is like, I can't, I don't even know what she's saying, but she is just, like, going at it, and she's talking really fast, and she's very expressive, and, like, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. chewing it up, and it, it was, fu- it's fun to watch. <laughs> that for energy you. is fun. Th- This is not the time for subtlety. No, right? I was about to say, if, if you have a role in one of these movies, you, I mean... <sighs> <laughs> you gotta do what you can with the script you're given, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you're gonna chew it up a little. Yes, exactly. If and, you're not, you're not taking full advantage of the opportunity. Right, and the characters need to be colorful to keep things interesting, because otherwise it's just this a bunch of boring be British very, people. just like very boring. Yeah, just yes. sitting around exchanging pleasantries and being vaguely offended about things. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, enjoyable movie. Uh, t- uh, very low stakes, but, but uh, that'll be a relief come next week. <laughs> uh, n- no spoilers. Um, Look, we've, uh, I have already said more words about Emma than I ever thought I would have said a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. All right. Um, well, unless we have anything else, um, we'll be back after the break to talk about Clueless. Oh, my. Hi, everyone. Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to Sounds Familiar. My name's Caleb, and we are here to talk about the hit classic, Clueless. Both a hit and a classic, apparently. They will let you know the title of the movie at least four times within the movie. Do they actually? If this were CinemaSins, we would have rolled the credits four or five separate times. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. The characters are pretty clueless, wouldn't you say? Without a clue? Without the, the slightest clue? Less of a clue? I don't know. Yes. Um, so. Can we insert cricket sounds there? That'd be great. <laughs> no. Thanks, Justin. Um, so to sum up this movie, if you want some uh, red, so, so, hot, <laughs> liquid 90s injected right into your veins. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to say, to sum up this movie, see part one. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> part one, but take away all the stuffy Regency English stuff. And, and then... replace it with stuffy high society L.A. stuff. Yeah, that. A, a world I am not very familiar with, I have to say, except through movies. And a lot of movies are about that. Yeah, but... the closest I've been is San Diego. No, the a... closest I've been is 
What's the farthest west I've been? Memphis? Woof. I'm not even kidding. I, I think that might be the farthest west I've been. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> anyway. Okay, I bet Justin can't beat that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I've been Funny, like have slightly you also never north. been out of the southeast? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've he's been out- traveled more than you, but it's been entirely localized within the southeast. Yeah, I have been out of the southeast one time, uh, and that was to go to D.C., which is barely counts. <laughs> I wow, have I been farther out of the the southeast than you? Well, yeah, I mean at least I, everyone's I, I been say, to Chicago. I have. I say I never traveled out of the southeast. I, I've been on cruises, but those don't count. That's one big America on a ship. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's still farther than I've been. Yeah, Stephanie's never even been to the Caribbean. She won't go to Puerto Rico with me and my family. That's okay. <laughs> Keyword being your so, family. Yeah, correction. I'd... She won't go to Puerto Rico with my family. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go to Puerto Rico, and I'd love to go anywhere with you, but I wouldn't necessarily love to go with your family, Matt, especially I... if we had to stay with your dad's relatives. I want to go on a cruise what? so bad, but it sounds like the most disgusting thing in the world right now. <laughs> the post-COVID world is not going to be kind to cruises. <laughs> They're going to be sold out for a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that cruises are looking that promising right now after we had just watched Titanic, but but in a way, they are looking promising because Titanic looked cool as hell until the thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole point of it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Yeah. So Clueless is about <laughs> this girl. Yeah. Her name is Cher. Girl. I know. For some um, reason, she's the rich. She's she is the daughter of a rich single lawyer. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt died. here. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt here. Uh, the actor, <laughs> the actor who plays her father. The first thing I said when I saw him was, "If this man has not played Richard Nixon." It is a waste uh, of jowl. And he uh, did. He plays Richard Nixon in it. the 1999, 1999 comedy film, Dick. Starring Kristen, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Dick is back, baby. <laughs> I didn't know that existed, but wow, so, a movie Carry on, dick. I'm sorry. Wow, it smells good. Um, <laughs> okay. So her name is Cher. Yeah, she's Cher. Um, she is a high schooler. She drives even though she doesn't have a license. Um, she has a best friend. <laughs> she has a she- black friend. Um... Um, Emma doesn't have that. No, Emma doesn't have that. <laughs> Emma can't can't claim that. No. Um, uh, one of um, oh my God, Justin, why can't I remember Turk's name? Donald. Faison. Donald Faison, one of Donald Faison's first uh, first vehicles. Uh, and what yeah, a great role for him it is. This character. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm glad he picked up Scrubs because according to him, before uh, before Scrubs got really popular, people would call him Clueless in the streets. Um, they'd be like, yo, what's up, Clueless? <laughs> um, um, fun fact, uh, Paul Rudd also auditioned for the role of Murray. Uh, he assumed that the character was a white teenager who was trying to act like a rapper. Because that's how the, that's how the character reads. <laughs> to me. Uh, a fun I, fact, uh, this, this uh, Paul Rudd actually, uh, performed this later in his life after time travel was invented. <laughs> 
You know what? I wouldn't even be surprised. <laughs> it's it's funny because Paul Rudd is also in one of the movies we'll be talking about next week. Play what? <laughs> playing Tibble. Oh right, he's yeah right. He's... <laughs> in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's an astronaut. <laughs> He's just not Leonardo DiCaprio, and not many can be. <laughs> not many could be Claire Danes either. No, <laughs> this is now going to be three three episodes in a row where Caleb is casually thirsting about Claire Danes. <laughs> three? What was the first one? No, the last one. The, the last episode you talked. Oh right, and then she's going to be in the next yes, one. Yes, so it's going to be three. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. We have That's a trilogy totally on our look, hands. Look, let's yeah. get back to discussing the movie that Claire Danes yes. isn't in. Oh, I'm sorry, my love. <laughs> um, we'll this there. is uh, Alicia Silverstone. Yes. Um, famous for Batman and Robin, <laughs> okay. which apparently broke her from oh, acting. Really? No. <laughs> that movie, literally, like, she has said in interviews that movie, like, broke her. Oh, my God. It turned her off of acting. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. Uh, but I believe so, it. So we're talking about Clueless. What if Batgirl's alter ego is Cher in this movie? If I could turn back <laughs> No, Cher is in the Sherry Clueless. And oh, then, right. Yes. Okay. And the Sherry Clueless was secretly moonlighting as Batgirl. Well, Gotham is supposed to be like New Jersey, so, so that's other, a hell of a commute. Seaboard. Yes. <laughs> she flies really fast. Um, um, okay, so Clueless, uh, experiences with this movie. This is the second time I've seen it. The first was... We just watched it one time? Last year, probably not that long after I watched Emma for the first time, yeah, honestly. I could check ago. Letterboxd, but I'm not going to take the time. That's true. Every now and then I make Caleb watch a movie. Well, make is a strong word. Every now and then I get drunk enough to recommend that me and Caleb watch a movie that I have seen together. <laughs> that I've also usually expressed interest in. Yes. Usually I'm very embarrassed to do so, but... <laughs> Justin? Um, so this is my third time seeing the movie. Uh, the first time was in high school uh, with my uh, lifelong friends, the twins. What up, Sarah and Robin? You're not listening, but what up? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> once uh it was just on at a friend's house in college uh and i I say it's my third time watching it i didn't really watch it there we were all like pissed drunk uh and then today um it is a cult classic (laughs) (laughs) i don't cult Uh, it's a classic 90s teen rom-com Yeah, there's a lot of it. A lot of it that uh, is super, super. Let's say dated. Uh, particularly the the use of the uh, the R slur. Uh, yeah. Several uh, times that also showed up in Ten Things I Hate About You. It did. I remember being like, "Oh, we're just throwing this one around." Right? I forgot it was. It the wasn't 90s. until the late aughts that yeah. we were like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't." Yeah. Um, I don't know how I don't know how the gay community feels about the term "cake boy." Uh... <laughs> <laughs> cake boy. We got screw boy. We got cake boy. Uh, we got fuck boy. We yes. Got them all. Uh, what was the What was the complete line? <laughs> Something about Barbara Streisand uh, ticket holding friend of. 
What does friend of Dorothy mean? I've never heard that one I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. All I know is friend of Ellen from Community. <laughs> a friend of Ellen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dorothy? Dorothy? Um, we're going to sound really young here because we yeah. don't know who this is. <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't know derogatory terms from the 90s. So yeah. I guess good job. Yeah. Phasing those out, I society. Yeah. I'm Golf clap for you. Well, the thing is, there's so much slang in this movie that I can't even and tell so how much, much of it of is it... invented. Right. I was going to say, I can't even tell how much of it was stuff that people were actually saying in the 90s and how much of it is just stuff that uh, the screenwriters just wanted to put in uh, there. Alicia Silverstone going, I'm bugging. It's burnt yeah. into my brain. No, that, mm. <laughs> I, that, I don't even no. know. If, were people saying that? I don't know. A lot of this was, was created for the movie. And the IMDb no. trivia would like to claim that some of it stuck, like um, calling someone a bald one to like describe handsome guys. Uh, what? It, it, it just I, sounds like you're saying a bald one. No. Some, a Baldwin brother, Stephanie. Some of it was uh, I, very white takes on uh, yes, phrases that I am a, yes. I somewhat believe originated in hip-hop culture. Uh, specifically Buggin'. Um, I know A Tribe Called Quest had the song Buggin' Out. and I feel like that happens a lot. Like, black people say something, and then several years later, white people start to say it, or start to say something like it, and then it becomes, like, popular slang among white people. I, I don't know. That, <laughs> that seems like a thing that happens still. Look, look. But beyond that, I don't know. As as a white man, I will tell you, the only culture we have uh, natively, for me anyway, is the uh, casual alcoholism I get from my Irish ancestors. <laughs> casual alcoholism <laughs> is white culture. I'll Thank drink you. to that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Uh, I, I, got yes, a, uh, um... I got my 23 and me back, and surprise, I'm Irish and British as fuck, and that's like it. <laughs> me too i'm irish british scottish and Polish, a bunch don't forget of that one yes and yes that's true technically i'm going off of my mom's me 23 and me results and my mom is not polish but i am so <laughs> mr krasinski miss <laughs> kowalski yeah <laughs> krasinski and kowalski over here um i love that white culture <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potatoes and all that. Um, top of the morning to you. Um, okay, back to Clueless. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> back to Clueless. Um, this movie, it's it's difficult. Let's uh, let's go to my notes. I actually took a couple. Wow, Caleb took notes on these movies, and I didn't. That's a change of. I pace. took a single note for Emma, so don't don't flatter me. Um, this movie has the color and vibrancy of a teen beach movie. <laughs> oh, that I... was the vibes that, like, the opening montage was giving me. Yeah, no. I, I did that. I absolutely see that. Uh, this movie could have been called uh, uh, Confused a Go-Go, and I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> it just needed more surf rock, you know? Yeah. I guess this movie replaces surf rock with ska. Let's talk about music for a second, and I'm not going to talk about ska. Boy. The opening montage uses multiple songs instead of just one. And I got to say, I do not prefer this version of Kids in America. By the Muffs. I'm sorry. 
by the muffs. The version that I have in my head is the one that's in Jimmy Neutron. We have opinions on and, this. And um, no, I'm sorry. The muffs, they're that that voice. I hated it. The I was hoops? waiting for this song to be over. It grated. It was like fingernails on the surface of my mind. <laughs> 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 to be dramatic and quote destiny. Um, I don't... What? It's okay. It quickly moved on to another song. I don't remember what. I, um, Justin, you had some things you wanted to say uh, about the soundtrack? Uh, uh, just uh, um, the Radiohead uh, gets uh, a lot of play in it. Um, there's one song, uh, uh, Iron Lung, plays very subtly, like a, a slower arrangement in the background uh, not even, like, it's playing on the radio. It's just, like, the background to a scene. Um, I love that Paul Rudd had a Beck uh, cassette in his car. Um, Did he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Was it playing? No, just have... no. It's the one that uh, Cher's kind of, like, futzing with uh, while oh, okay. they're driving in the car. <laughs> uh, he's listening to Radiohead there, too. Um, I'm going to be honest, I... Don't know if I can name a Radiohead song, much less recognize one. This guy. <laughs> I know Moving some 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 white guy. I am right. Oh, um, Caleb. So, uh, so the main thing I want to talk about is this is like a lot of mid '90s uh, royalty playing or being referenced here, uh, as far as like very uh, very white music goes. Um, you did get a you, <laughs> Coolio. A Coolio song is a main plot point. Uh, <laughs> Oh, was that, Is that, that rolling, rolling with the homies? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, God bless Brittany Murphy. Um, She's like, that was our song. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the soundtrack and, and the music that's represented uh, because my opening line, I chose that uh, because one, uh, cranberries are awesome. Two, uh, yes. it it struck me that it's a strange line of dialogue, um, which. You could have used any generic excuse and been fine, but that's a very long, weird uh, piece of dialogue. And that got me thinking throughout the rest of the movie. as like, they're just name-dropping. Like, they name-drop the Cranberries, let me pay attention. Then, like, all the Radiohead, the Beck, like, all the music playing, all the references to bands. And there is some product placement in this movie that is only outdone by, like, Transformers. Um <laughs> Really? Hey. The the shot where it's like her first person view and she's like, ooh, a Snickers. It has nothing to do with the scene. She's oh, you're right. And it's very, like, the Snickers is center in frame. Then there's that That shot. moment's really weird because I couldn't tell if it was like a fat joke or something. Ugh. Uh, then there's that shot of her new cell phone that is, looks like a monolith in frame and you just see the big AT&T logo. I was like, that's where you got your entire budget. There is some, like, oh, I was sitting really far away movie. from the TV because when there was that monolith shot of the phone, I was sitting there squinting the entire time, like, what am I looking at? Is that I, vibrant? What am I looking see, at? I didn't notice any of this. Like, I noticed the Snickers in the phone, but I guess my stupid consumerist brain didn't put it together that it was product placement. Like, when she saw the Snickers, I was like, okay, I too would get distracted by noticing a Snickers. <laughs> just be like, ooh, chocolate. Like, and yet, now that I think about it, that didn't really seem like a personality point that was mm. set up for her. Was her being like, I don't know, kind of easily distracted by stuff or like into sweets or, or whatever. Well, I, I, yeah. mean, I mean, that is like a very small uh, point of her character is that she loves, quote unquote, vegging out. 
Um, and she has the line about oh. peanut M and M's. But even even a that skinny hot girl who likes to eat. She ate five whole wow. peanut M and M's. Oh my god, she's but so even real. That, I'm just like, it seems like an excuse for her because you don't really ever see her like vegging out, quote unquote, uh, other than when she's eating chips with Josh. So I'm like, that really is an excuse to just throw out more brands. <laughs> You're just throwing brand names everywhere. I didn't notice it in any other viewings, and it's not that distracting. It's just something I mm. happened to focus on this viewing. Mm. Uh, so bringing that back to the mm. soundtrack, I don't know for sure, but I would wager that every band that is shown or plays in this uh, might be released by the same uh, label, label in the United States. I would almost mm. bet that given all the product placement. Anyway, that's my little rant. Wow. Just something I noticed. Mm. Let's get back into the I meat of the I love that film. 90s consumerism. Mm. Love it. Um, alright. Well, that's kind of depressing in its own way. <laughs> I mean, um, hey, make your money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, we get an uh, appearance from Rhodes Scholar Wallace Shawn. Oh, uh, God. I don't know um, why this plot point is in this movie, like, but any excuse to shove Wallace Shawn in anything, I'm like, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most famous person I have ever met. Like, I'm so literally, jealous. I have not met a lot of famous be- people, but I'm glad I met Wallace Shawn because he, he is was so delightful. nice. <laughs> um, we've discussed <laughs> this before, great. so yes. I will. Um, watching this after starting watching Shit's Creek, I was getting big Alexis in high school vibes from <laughs> from uh, the scenes with Cher, mm. like giving her like in debate and uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> Right, because the, the whole, like, airhead who kind of makes some good points <laughs> from right. time to time kind um, of thing. The voiceover. So Cher does a ton of voiceovers in this movie. She narrates a lot of it. Woof. They are not great. I'm... <laughs> okay, like, no, Alicia Silverstone's performance is fine enough, but the, the voiceover for the narration is just not on par with her line delivery the rest of the movie. Uh, I I don't know. I don't th- I, I think it's noticeably not as good. That's just me. If I'm outnumbered here then fine. I don't know. Uh, that's just my, I didn't my feeling. I think a big disparity, let me put mm. it that way. But I, I I can kind of see the point you're making, but it's not anything that registered with me at all. Mm. <laughs> I I have this movie has a quote that I feel like I'm not going to say I am the only person who will appreciate it. Mm. I am the only person I know who will appreciate it. And that line is as useless as searching for meaning in a Pauly Shore movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love Pauly Shore. I didn't get that because I didn't know who Pauly Shore was. Stephanie didn't know who Pauly Shore was, but speaking as a big fan of Encino Man and In the Army now. Sure. um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, find you a person who can name two Pauly Shore movies that aren't the, a goofy movie. Bio, um, no. I... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's definitely... <laughs> a goofy movie is the only one I've seen. And he's Leaning not even Tower like, of Cheese. Yeah, that guy. Yes. <laughs> okay. The only one I got. Now uh, we can get into the. What, Justin? I, I was gonna. I'm going off on so many tangents because of this movie. I was just gonna say I love the Polly Shore jokes on uh, 
on Futurama. We don't have to get into them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Polly Shore was in an entire episode of Futurama. Yes. Okay. <sighs> Why not? Okay. Didn't he fall in love with Lucy Lou? Yes. Wait. Okay. Um, no. Okay. I don't. I Robot. Remember... Robot Lucy Lou, right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I remember that episode, but was Polly Shore the boy? He was in. Don't worry. We'll move I, on. I, it's been a year or two since we yeah, rewatched Futurama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> now we can discuss the fact that every time Sharon Paul Paul Rudd, that's not his name. Um, what is it? Josh. Josh. When Josh kisses her on the stairwell, all I can think is, "What are you doing, step bro?" <laughs> <laughs> This movie is breaking down barriers for step siblings everywhere. No. <laughs> I, it's breaking new ground. Oh my god! <laughs> Look, well, man, far be it know... for me to tell two consenting people of not even adults, relatively the same age, what to do. But I oh know their ex. I know their ex step siblings, but this movie brings it up. Too many times, That's the thing, it makes like, it too much of a thing. It's Why not even weird, but they make he, it weird. <laughs> he could have been an ambiguous, longtime friend of the family, like Mister Knightley is. But no, they explicitly point out the fact that they were legally siblings at some point. But it's okay because now they're not. And I don't know any other piece of modern media bold enough to do that. Honestly, I would and be more bold? okay with it if it was sexier, but it's not. <laughs> and by bold, I mean maybe they were just clueless. Uh, hey! Uh, that's the show! <laughs> no, please. No, this is... they. It's weird. The thing is, they do have a sibling-like relationship, which is maybe part of what makes it weird. Like, remember how I was saying that I don't necessarily care for this relationship in the source material? This one just takes that to the next level. Like, in every single scene, he is just, like, giving her shit and calling her a brat. And they're, like, snarking at each other. And there's not any real sexual tension or romantic tension until very near He's the end. He's just acting like season three Britta the entire time. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> woof. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like, like he calls her a brat, um, which is whatever. But the part that really gets me not liking it. I don't, this is just me being picky, but, like, the part when she comes downstairs with what's-his-face, who ends up being gay, um, and he turns and says to her dad, are you gonna let her go out, go out like that? Like, commenting on how she's dressed, and that's the moment where it just completely loses me. Like, I don't even care about the whole weird step-sibling business, whatever, but, like, the fact that he's, like, commenting on her, like... For one thing, with the slut-shamey undertones, which, whatever, that obviously hasn't aged well, but that's not even the whole thing. Like, just the, that's something you would say about, like, a kid. Like, you know, and, like, yeah. just well, the... Well, for What's me, funny is it's... Justin, you can uh, go first. My, my, my read on that scene isn't that he's being truthfully slut-shamey for his oh. intentions. He's bringing that up as a point to her father... He's like, oh, she looks super hot. I don't want her looking super hot with this guy because all of a sudden I have feelings for her. That doesn't make it better. That does no, not it make doesn't. it better. That, that's, no, it's, I get it's what you're saying. It's creepy either way, saying, but, but I don't think he was like... 
he, for his own intentions, wasn't slut shaming her. He just didn't want her looking no, no. hot for someone else. I agree with which you, is but also terrible. It's still. <laughs> I think it's a little funny because it's totally undercut. Because yes. he's like, can should she go out looking like that? And her dad's like, yeah, you're gonna put on a coat. And she's like, of course I'm gonna put on a coat over this. And then like it's just this tiny little thing. So ultimately, yes, it doesn't really it, it matter. It doesn't matter. It's just for. That's the part that really killed it for me. I think if that part wasn't there, I could maybe kind of get on board. But that combined with all the other stuff, I just it's it's the, not for me. Like the, I get it, but no. Even the scenes no, that are you. supposed to be cute, like where they're watching TV and stuff, like it it had uh, there was no romance or sexual tension there at all. The ending of this film seems so like, okay, and then we have to wrap it up the same way Emma ended. There we go. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, I just think there should have been more, like, I don't even know, I'm not a director, so I don't know how I would do it, but there should have been a little more, like, that is one thing, like, we were talking about Emma 2020. I do think it was clear a lot earlier in that one that they had romantic feelings for each other, like, the way they would kind of look at each other. It was very clear how they felt. With this one, that didn't become apparent until much right. later. A large portion of the movie feels very much like an older brother picking on his younger sister. Yeah, exactly. Like It has that dynamic, right. which is part of my problem with right. it. I don't know. It's I don't know. <laughs> whatever happened to the, I, whatever happened to the girl he was seeing when he picks her up? Oh, I guess she was too much of a shrill college bitch or something. Oh, well, I mean, clearly she didn't know Hamlet well enough. Oh yeah, she was just stuffy, and she wasn't she a high schooler. She who, didn't remember Hamlet yeah. accurately. <laughs> she wasn't a blonde high schooler who liked Hamlet because of Mel Gibson, uh, which is always funny to me when she says that. She's like, um, "Well, I remember Mel Gibson correctly," <laughs> and he didn't say that, and I'm like, "Right, Mel Gibson used to be an item. Like, that's pretty funny." Right, he was an it boy for a while. Right. He really was. I mean, and was how the mighty fall, but still. Well, if it, eventually anti-Semitism comes for us mm. all. Um. <laughs> Hopefully not us all. <laughs> Hopefully just Mel Gibson. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe that was a generalization. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I have a fair few thoughts about the comparison points. Okay, let's hear um, them. But no more. I don't think I have any more that pertains specifically to Clueless until they come to me. Mm. Justin? Okay. Um, oh boy. This movie is 90s as hell. Um, I just... It, every single scene there was something uh, uh, cringy, uh, I will say. <laughs> uh, be it dialogue or an uncomfortable situation as, as we brought up with the, with the Josh... And the dad scene. Um, oh, with the Josh and the dad and the... It, every every high school movie that we've talked about or that I've ever seen uh, has that same scene where they're walking the new girl through mm. uh, yep. the school and you point to, there's this group and this group and this yep. group hangs out here. Ten Things I Hate <laughs> About You had that. Mean, mean Girls, girls. had that. Mm. I think Mean Girls kind of like, since it came out a little after those ones, like really took it to the next level and like yeah. satirized it a little yep. bit. <laughs> yep. But yes, that's uh, definitely a thing. It, it, it This feels like this movie is what <laughs> made uh, those tropes of 90s and early 2000s high school movies. Like it, it 
nailed those to the wall. It's like these are, these are our tropes. See, and, and I think it was <laughs> like the t- coming down from Mount Sinai. The ninety-five thesis, yeah, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> these are the clicks of high school. Um, but I th- I will say I think it felt kind of relevant in this movie because, like, for instance, what's her face? Ty, is that her name? Ty. Yes. Um, Like, she is not naturally gravitating toward the same crowd as Cher and um, Dion. Um, She, she, like, for instance, she's interested in... What's the stoner head? Right. Our Robert Martin equivalent is the the skater stoner guy who's super adorable. I like him. He plays the same character in a bunch of other movies. And he's great at it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he just has the look. He, he's a very likable character. Yeah. yeah. He's dorky and cute, and I like him. Right. And uh, it's like, like in Emma, it's frustrating because you're like, share, stop, just let her like who she likes. <laughs> what, Justin? Sorry. I, I I love just speaking of Ty. I love her introductory scene. Uh, with some. Of, I some could of use the, some herbal refreshment. <laughs> I could use an herbal refreshment, and I forget what they say, and they're like, uh, like we, have, we have coke if you want. You guys have coke here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of course, this is America, isn't it? <laughs> I, I love that. No, I love her. She is great. And I like how it's like she's very open about like not being a virgin and stuff. And like it, she's not really ashamed yep. for it. They're just kind of like, oh, I'm a virgin. Yeah. Oh, like, she's like, I don't like if they're crooked. And Deanne's like, no, Cher doesn't, Cher Cher doesn't, doesn't know. know about them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um, no, I, I like Ty as a character and I like that eventually she is able to get with the guy she actually likes instead yeah. of just like yeah. Harriet Smith, exactly. which leads us into hey, all right, let's our comparison away. discussion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my, the first, the only note I took for Emma, that matchmaking is very much Emma's hobby. Like that's what she does to entertain herself. For Cher, Cher only does it to get what she wants. That's true. She has ulterior right. motives. She has ulterior <laughs> motives. It's not something she does at the start of the movie. Right. It's the first time she does it, as far as we know, is when she needs to raise her grade in debate class. And so she manages to like get her teacher in a relationship mm-hmm. with another teacher and make both of them happy to raise her grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Cher, it's literally, it's explicitly just about her getting what she wants, which I'm, I am very surprised that there's not a scene in this movie where like the two teachers find out that it was Cher conniving to get them together <laughs> and like, yeah. they're going to end up together. Like they're still happy with each other, but also like they berate Cher for, you know, playing with people like, play, uh, like play things. I think a, a different movie would have had that scene. Especially Justin. since, like, the entire school know it was her and Dion that uh, yep. uh, did that. Like, they're they're celebrated in the halls. She, like, she literally has an and then everybody clapped moment. Okay? <laughs> everybody like... literally clapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Um, I guess it didn't really serve the plot for that to happen, but I don't know. It's... I'm trying to think. There, there, there has to be a scene where she's kind of called out on what she's doing, right? On her like manipulating. People. Well, I think Josh does. Yeah. But Josh calls her out for what she's doing to Ty, trying yes. to turn Ty into another her, basically. Right. But I don't think there is ever a moment where she's really called out for playing matchmaker. We do have a repeat. I'm gonna segue for a second before I come back to this. 
the character of Harriet Smith is kind of, of kind of split up into two characters. Dion and Ty are yeah. both play the role of her friend Harriet. Yeah. Um, Dion being the longtime friend, and then Ty being the girl that she's trying to set up with the project, right? The girl she's trying to set up with someone else. Yeah. Um, and so she's trying to set Ty up with, I don't even know his name, a dude who looks like he should be Elton. a Mr. Elton. Is his name literally Elton? Isn't it? Am I remembering incorrectly? I, yes, yes. Oh my god, okay, so his name is yeah. literally Elton, it's so he is, he's our Mr. Yeah. Elton stand-in. This is probably the most explicit reference we have to Emma. I wonder it was called Emma. Cher Emma, for that matter. That was, that was a name that was in in the 90s, I don't right? know, I, I don't, um, I don't, anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> god, okay. Yeah. I could, <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> okay. it's, they're totally irrelevant. Okay. Um, so they're, they're split up into, into two different characters. Yeah. Um. Which is a little odd. So Ty doesn't get as much to do. Um, yeah, I, but we I also question get the, that decision a little bit. But we also get the benefit of Ty being able to be a fresh project for the character. Yeah. Um, you know, she is the new girl. She is new to our enti- our protagonist. So she does get to be a fresh project. Whereas, you know, if it's her longtime friend, it's like it setting that up is a little less awkward. Because yeah. it's like, why hasn't she been doing that all these years? Um, well, I think... She should have been a fresh project, but I don't know. The thing about Emma is that she is shown to be fairly isolated. Like, her only real um, active friend during the story is the girl that she's still kind of manipulating. Like, she she still cares for her, obviously, but but I think, like, it it works well to have her be kind of an isolated person who lives most of her life just kind of... Uh, not really connecting with other people and just trying to manipulate them. Whereas, like, Cher, by giving her a longtime friend who is kind of her confidant, like, it, I don't know, it takes away some of those stakes a little bit of that characterization. I mean, it kind of does, but I also like this as an idea for the adaptation. I like her having an established friend, but it's also very clear that they're only superficially close yeah um as you know two people of their standing i guess can be mm. quote unquote yeah. um and then the new girl is introduced she takes her on as the project and then as a result of trying to make this girl more like her she ends up losing the new girl and her old friend as they right. become closer and you know the other the new girl becomes more popular and share gets pushed to the side yeah um, so I, I like it as uh, an adaptation, as a, a story tool. Um, I, it, I think it works better and provides more drama than yeah. um, than, than in Emma. Um, and this leads me mm-hmm. back to what led me on this segue, this right. tangent, um, was that we have the scene where Ty realizes that Cher is into Josh, which parallels the scene mm. where Harriet realizes that Emma is into Mr. Knightley mm. immediately after she declares that she's into Mr. Knightley. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was my point. Was we have that, that parallel there. Yes. But, you know, it's not... We have the one character split into two. Um, and then we have Christian... I totally forgot about for a minute. Christian is the equivalent of Mr. Frank Churchill. Um, He's handled very differently. Very differently. (laughs) Um, Cher is total. No, Cher knows who he is because he's missing at the beginning of the movie, and Cher says that he is like spending a semester in Chicago or something, and then he's going to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So he shows up and she is super into him, just as Emma is into Frank Churchill. Um, Frank Churchill is secretly engaged to Jane, Jane Fairfax. Fairfax, of course. Um, Mrs. <laughs> Bates's niece, obviously. Yeah. Um, except in this case, you know, he's just... Um, she's not his, to quote Billie Eilish he's not she is not his preferred sexual orientation um, <laughs> right and I love how this was like the 90s version of gay which means like you get to be a lot of the gay stereotypes but you don't get to actually be visibly gay right on screen. right like, like the most he gets is like he dresses better than I do what would I bring to the relationship yeah um, <laughs> It's like, oh, he's gay, so he's into, like, art and stuff, but he doesn't have a right. boyfriend. <laughs> right. I was, re- I was reading the trivia, and um, I found a couple interesting things. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the scenes where um, Cher calls Christian and, like, they have a phone call. He's at an art gallery, and in the background is um, a piece of two two gay lovers embracing each other. Oh, I really? apologize for not remembering the name of the piece or of the... the characters i'm not aware of um, this i'll have to check that out and then the two pieces the two movies they watch together um about who was it tony curtis yeah is that the name yeah two tony curtis movies um one of them was some like it hot which is about two men who uh, have okay. to okay it's queer you know, dress yeah. and drag mm-hmm. um and then spartacus which features a scene <laughs> where yeah um um I guess the master of the house attempts to seduce one of his slaves i need to watch spartacus um, <laughs> That one's, what that one's call Kubrick, it? right? Spontaneous. Spontaneous. Cher mispronounced it Spartacus. Oh, she called it Sporadicus. Oh my god. Sporadicus. I think that's what she called it, was Sporadicus. Um, and so there's more. They're, they're, so there's they're the dropping, clear subtext. They're dropping, yes. There's yes. subtext out the wazoo. Yes. Um, okay. I love the scene when shows like, when a guy comes over, you should always have something baking. <laughs> and then she just... Plop. That's some. That was just some Drops good. the roll of cookie dough. Onto yes, that, that oven. was just some yeah. good physical comedy. They're just <laughs> dropping it straight on the sheet in the oven, doing. and then she just burns the log. <laughs> I... <laughs> Even I know scene. how to make cookies more than that, which is very. She nice did it for the first time say, last week. I did. I make cookies. They were so good. I'm so excited <laughs> to be able to do that again. Now every time a man comes day. over, I can have something baking. Yeah. Oh, I I ex- I look forward to that, my yeah. dear. <laughs> As a friend who is a man who will come over quite frequently, I too am excited. <laughs> I I will make chocolate chip cookies for us all. I can do that now, which is very great to be able to say. Um. Anyway, yeah. So um. So that's the thing. It's also funny to me how she's talking about why she's so into him because he doesn't look like all the other guys um, who are her age. And I love how it was just a a contemporary indictment of 90s male fashion. There's a lot of those. She has an entire monologue yes, about exactly. 90s male fashion. Which is, in my opinion, deserved because the 90s was not the peak of male fashion, I have hey. to say. <laughs> in some ways, it was the... Uh, what's the opposite of the zenith? The... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I'm gonna remember and it's gonna drive me insane. The opposite Oof. of that. Yeah. Oof, boof. Um It was bad. Oh. Um I don't know if we pointed out that um the comparison that so The Emma, Nadir. The Nadir, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, the 
that's the opposite of Zenith. The nadir of male fashion. Sorry, what were you going to say, my love? Uh, nothing. (laughs) I was just talking about how Emma doesn't want her dear friend Harriet Smith with Martin the farmer. And uh, Cher won't let Ty be with... With a stoner guy. What's his name? I don't know what else name. I wanted to say Sean, but it's not Sean. Why don't they just let Um, him be named Robert? I mean, that's a normal name. Robert. Um, (laughs) That's not really uh, a stoner name. Travis, thank Travis, you. That is equal, yes. Um, and then you know she lets her be happy in the end. She tries to set him up with a literal Elton, and he's like, "What? No, I didn't like her. I was just like, I danced with her because I'm nice. That I'm into you." Um, uh, and then you um, know it turns out he's he's cool. He likes to skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> what, Justin? Uh-huh. Uh, a, a, a reference to um, Harriet's. Uh, not coming from nobility and the whole farmer plot from Emma is referenced when Ty first shows up and one of the girls uh, says, you could be a farmer in those clothes, which I thought uh, after watching Emma was a nice uh, little touch. Oh, uh, <laughs> see, what we watched Clueless first. Probably not the best idea. Yeah, we're probably going to watch Emma first. The entire movie I was like, is there an equivalent to this in Emma? And then while I was watching Emma, I was trying to piece it together. So we probably yeah. should have watched that first. So if you're if you're someone who listens to our show before watching or rewatching these movies, uh, and you've made it to this point, watch Emma first. Um, yeah. Pick up on a lot and clueless like a lot of little things it's it's right. nice right because it's not a one-to-one adaptation no um so watching the source or an adaptation of the source material first will if you care at all if you don't care about period pieces don't watch emma i'm not gonna judge you it's an okay movie if you're not into it you're not gonna be into it so like Boy. But it could be cool to compare the it, two. It could yeah. be cool. Also, I'm realizing that if I'm doing my mental math correctly, only one movie we're we're watching this month is not based on something else, or is not either an older property or based on an older property. Titanic. Titanic's based on a true story, Caleb. That's okay, that counts yeah, as an older an, property. An adaptation it's of real life does the, that okay, count? Okay. Okay. What I'm thinking of is Portrait of a Lady on Fire is the only one I can think of that is not, not either something based that on happened or inspired by an or older property from... or inspired by an older property. And yes. God damn, is that movie good? <laughs> it is really good. It, hey, it, it came fully formed out of the minds of modern people, so that's awesome. And literally all the other ones are either adaptations. older would you ones or adaptations. Would you say they sound familiar? They do sound familiar, Caleb. And wow, that's, that's the okay. show, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I have okay. rarely seen such such deadness in Justin's eyes oh, no. as when I made that awful pun. Oh, no. Well, do we have anything else about Clueless? Um, uh, there are multiple references to Kentucky. Paul Rudd wears his Kentucky University hat, which is where he graduated from. Wow. And then at the very end, when there's a wedding, but it's not Cher's wedding, like that it is at the funny. end of Emma, she's like, what is this? She's like, I'm 16. This is California, As not Kentucky, if. which is where Paul Rudd is from. Ah. Um, ah. He, he frequently finds excuses to wear that Kentucky University hat in movies he's in, so keep an eye out for that if you're a Paul Rudd That's fan. funny. <laughs> I've never met someone who cared about Kentucky that much. Uh, you're not from Kentucky, so you don't know anyone from Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, but either. I don't care about Florida, and I'm from Florida. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, but you still work for the Jacksonville Jaguars over someone else. Do I, right? Caleb? Maybe it's just because I like Jaguars. 
And because <laughs> tickets are cheap. Um, sure. <laughs> I, I don't really have any other uh, thoughts on Clueless. Like, it, it, it's a 90s, it's a 90s classic. It, it's a fun watch. A lot of the jokes are dated. Uh, Brittany Murphy and Stacey Dash. Huge crushes for me when I was younger. Um, so always a pleasure reveal, uh, reveling in that nostalgia. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah, um, I enjoy them in so much as I enjoy any, like, chick flick. I enjoy them more than some other chick flicks, let me put it that way. And I enjoy it less than some others, because if we're being honest... I am a big Paul Rudd fan, but I <laughs> Clueless is not something I find myself coming back to. Like, you know, I'll watch it, but, like, I want to rewatch 10 Things I Hate About You. I want to rewatch like, Mean Girls or something, you know? Like, I... This movie, I'm like, yeah, it's Clueless, it's fun, you know? If it's yeah, on, it's I'll, you know, I'll catch yeah, it, but... Exactly. The... Mm. We, we we were we were light on theme this week, but we figured we should take a break in between Titanic slash Portrait of Lady on Fire and Romeo and Juliet slash The Great Gatsby, which uh, surprise Aye. next week's pairing. We will be talking about uh, Baz Luhrmann's sad, sad romantic adaptations uh, <laughs> of which we love. Works, yes, we do. Uh, Justin, which which fun fact while we're on the subject of uh, Paul Rudd. Uh, Clueless was his first major <laughs> film role. Uh, really, and then he was in TV uh, before then. But there was only there was only one film in between Clueless and Romeo and Juliet uh, for Paul Rudd, and that was Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh my God! <laughs> really, right. he was in that? You know what? Clueless, maybe I should, Halloween should... Six: Romeo and Juliet. That's like maybe quite we should a link career. the the um the Captain Midnight recently made a video about Paul Rudd's career. Oh, and specifically mentions Halloween Six. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, <laughs> the, the man's been in a, a litany of movies. Yeah, that was I. Th- there was something about like the production, but like Halloween Six was in production long before Clueless, but then it like got delayed a lot, and so Clueless came out and was like a Paul Rudd vehicle. It was like, hey, here's Paul Rudd, you know, um, <laughs> all running it up. Yeah. So his career could have gone different if Halloween 6 came out first, but who wow. knows. Um, okay. How fascinating. I, I don't suppose we'll ever get around to talking about the Halloween movies on here. Uh, if you and Justin uh, want to do some episodes about them. I'll say I definitely want to talk about at least the first one. <laughs> I, know I would be down to do I that. I know you're not a fan of slashers, Stephanie. I'm not, really. It's not my preferred uh, genre of horror, but I would be willing to do it. It's. I feel like most people I have known who are really into horror are really into slashers specifically. They're yeah. always, like, big Halloween fans or Friday the 13th uh, or, you know. Which, for me, I find I find that Halloween and, Friday and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street specifically, I find the first one or two movies in the franchise good, and then the rest... Is like they can be fun, but I boy, oh boy. Yeah, my preferred type of horror is usually leaning more towards the supernatural, like as in like ghosts and demons. I just find that more interesting. Spooky, scary, spooky. I need it to be full on Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, ridiculous, or I need like deep themes, like prestige horror. Yes, yes. 
Uh, yeah, I'm one of those prestige horror bitches. Like, yeah, get we get it, bitch. You like A24 or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> well, on that note, talking about horror yeah, movies, we oh, we're going to end our discussion on Emma slash Clueless. Quit repressing <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> I will continue to censor you. That's the man as... <laughs> not wanting us to talk about about the transgressive and the controversial. <laughs> My name's Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at actual underscore Caleb. All right. My name's Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's Left Boob. I'm Justin. You can find me on most social media at Blame It on Butler. You can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right. We'll see you next week with some sad shit, y'all. Good night, everybody. Night. Love ya. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Sounds Familiar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.